the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Got some strawberries here this morning. Uh, This is the second to the last in a series called Fruit Salad. We've used fruit as symbols every time. Um, I will say this last week, uh, somebody sent me a text of they had blueberry pancakes at Cracker Barrel after church. That was really exciting. And somebody brought us fresh blueberry muffins on Wednesday. That was even more exciting. But, but I do want to make it clear, as much as I appreciate that, these are symbols. I hope, I hope that you're not just hearing about the fruit. I hope that you're getting these, these mean something. And today what the strawberries are representing are some questions that we're digging deep into. Uh, primarily this one. First one is, how do we make the timeless truths of God, the things that are just absolutely true, whether we like them or know them or believe them or not, how do we, how do we not only connect them but share them? How do we make them as, as appealing and as inviting as possible so that other people will join us in our quest to know him and his truths better? And on the way, how do we deepen our community? That's been an ongoing theme through this entire series, and it will continue to be in many other series to come. God designed us to work together. We're supposed to follow him not only individually, but as teams and families and groups of friends and small groups and all these ways we've been talking about. And again, how do we maximize our potential to create and share the genuine goodness of God? Last week, we talked about that same question a little bit as well, um, and that was about, we use blueberries as a symbol. And if you missed that one, I hope you go back and listen to that online or watch it online because this builds on that one. But here we go this morning with the, we're just going to straight, straight out the gate, go with the best person ever at doing this, making the timeless truths of God, the absolute truths of God as attractive and appealing as they possibly ever could be is of course, Jesus Christ. Even his very presence on this earth, his incarnation was that happening. We had God, but he was kind of so untouchable and so unreachable and so unpleasable. And yet here's Jesus, God incarnate. Here's Jesus, God's son, God himself in ways we don't understand how that works 100% because it's just bigger. But here he is. You want to know what God would do if he was a human? Watch Jesus. Want to know the kind of things God would say if he was a human? Listen to Jesus. His whole life was an illustration. And then he did all these wonderful things to just demonstrate it, like wash his disciples' feet and all these stories we tell and we tell. And he said, you want to know what it looks like? Do this. Do this for love one another as I have loved you. And then when he taught, it was this almost magical, like, you just... It stuck with you. It made sense. He used all these pictures and all these images. And he'd say things like, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, but I say to you, and he doesn't change anything, but he puts it in a new package. He takes you deeper and suddenly the whole Old Testament started to make sense. This was Jesus and this is the one that we follow. And if we're going to make the timeless truths of God relevant and and packageable today, that's got to be what we're doing. We've got to make sure it's the real stuff. One of my favorite illustrations of Jesus is the new wine and new wine skins. 
And it's kind of creepy now to think about that because we, we're used to bottles and, and all that kind of stuff if you're going to make anything like wine. But they used skins. They used uh, leather. And they did that because it would expand. And as it fermented, it would, it would get bigger. And they knew that that's how good wine works. As it ferments, it grows. Are you with me so far? So they had to use something that would expand. But after a while, if you've ever had anything made out of leather and you don't wear it every day or use it every day, it gets stiff and even brittle. So Jesus said, you know what? You don't put new wine into old wineskins because it'll burst them. You got to have new wineskins. And there's so much depth in what are these new wineskins and what could they look like? But don't miss the heart of that illustration. It's the same wine. It's the same, that each new batch is still made out of the same vineyard by the same vineyard owner. Are you with me? It's God's truth. Whatever new packages, whatever new things we try to try to reach new people, it's got to be the real thing. The package is disposable. What's in the package is not. You got some uh, white chocolate covered strawberries here. Anybody like those? Or chocolate sever? They're good. But let me tell you something. Even if you, even if you don't, even if you really, really do like white chocolate, if you don't like strawberries, you probably should just eat some white chocolate. You know what I'm saying? When you bite into those, the real thing, the good thing, the, the, the point of that is not the white chocolate on the outside. It's the strawberry on the inside. And we got to remember that as we share the gospel, no matter how it's packaged, how it's shared, how, it, how we worship, how we pray, how we do anything. The heart of it has always got to be what we find in the scriptures, what we experience from Jesus himself. The real thing is the main thing. And let me show you something. This doesn't really need any help. That just looks good. Okay. I mean, that's, look at that. It's shiny and the seeds are on the outside and there's green and red and bright. And that's just, it's already good. It doesn't really need anything. Are we tracking so far? So having said all that, that's got to be the foundation. But let's try to get a little practical because we do need new wineskins sometimes. And we do need to reach people that we haven't reached yet. And if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you're only going to get the same results you've always got. Everybody, anybody ever heard that one before? So we've got to make sure the main thing is the main thing, but how do we get out of our comfort zones? Well, first thing is you go there. Let's say that together. Go there. And by there, I mean a couple different places. The first one is, you've got to go where Jesus is. You've got to make sure everything I just said, go there means that, first of all. You've got to make sure that you are actually connecting with Jesus, that you're sharing Jesus. You're building a model that looks like something you find in the scripture, not just something you saw in another church somewhere and thought it was cool. You've got to make sure you go there, but you also need to go where the people are. Because our job to bring them to Jesus is to bring them from their point A to Jesus Christ, the ultimate point B. So you've got to go to where they are. You've got to get to know them. You've got to find out where is point A for them. Because we're all different, right? 
You got to figure out who they are. Ask them questions. You meet the needs that they're the most worried about first. And then you take them from wherever they are to Jesus. Been using several references to a book called Bandersnatch. Uh, it's about the Inklings, a bunch of wonderful writers that have influenced the world. And we, it's all about the details of exactly how they influenced each other. One that I already shared, but I want to share it one more time because I think it's so powerful. J.R.R. Tolkien was part of this group and so was C.S. Lewis. And Tolkien and some other friends led C.S. Lewis to Christ as part of what they did in that group. And the way they did it was they got to know C.S. Lewis and they knew how much he loved these old languages and old stories and old myths and old poems. And I said, we know this isn't just because you like words. It's because you're drawn to these deep truths that they expect. I mean, I mean the stories about gods and goddesses aren't true, but they express truths about humanity. And that's what you're drawn to. They're like, listen, Jack, that's what they called him. This is actually the true thing that all that other stuff is based on. This is the true story that all these other things, this is the ultimate expression of all that stuff your heart longs for. And that was the key that unlocked it. They went to his point A and they brought him to the ultimate point B for all of us, Jesus Christ himself. Does that make sense? And that's how it works. And Jesus constantly talked about this using these wonderful stories that he made up called parables. Tom shared one this morning. I didn't tell him to. I, I trust with all my heart that was the Holy Spirit that told him to do that. But in Luke 15, he told three stories about lost things. One was a lost coin. A woman loses her coin and she tears her house apart. That's everything, everything, whatever it takes until she finally finds that coin. Then she throws a party. Which ironically probably cost more than the coin was worth. But she, it was worth it. She found what she was looking for and she was excited. It was a good day. There was a lost sheep. He just read that to you straight out of the scriptures. Same idea. He looks until he finds his sheep and then he celebrates. And then there's the lost son. We'll come back to that in a moment. But again, there's a son who strays and the father knows he can't go after this one. He's got to wait till he comes home. But boy, is he ready and boy, does he celebrate. Jesus also just always was good at cutting to the chase. The real issue when somebody would ask him a question, they were always trying to, to trap him all the time, trying to, to catch him somehow in some, saying something awkward. And somebody once said, okay, so the great laws are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're watching on video for the first time, I've got big banners that hang behind me all the time. That's why I'm pointing. Okay, there we go. But the guy says, so who's my neighbor? In other words, who's the one that I have to serve? Who's the one I have to love like myself? And Jesus responds with a story I know most of you at least have heard, even if you didn't grow up in church, the Good Samaritan. And what's the Good Samaritan about? It's about somebody who goes there. The priest and the Levite, they, they somehow knew God, I hope. They're fictional priests and Levites. You just made up that story to make a point. But there are people who serve in the temple. There's good stuff going on there. And yet when there was somebody who needed help, they did not go where he was and do what he needed done. The person who went where he was and did what he needed done was the Samaritan. And so Jesus turns the whole thing around and says, here's the real issue. Are you a good neighbor? 
Not who's the person you have to serve, but what kind of a person are you? Are you a servant? See, Jesus goes right to our point A, even when it's really uncomfortable, even when nobody wants to say our point A out loud, when nobody wants to express it, nobody wants to feel it, nobody wants any, Jesus goes right there and leads us back to the truth. And that's what he calls us to do with our friends, with our family, with strangers, as we try to meet them where they are and lead them to him. Still tracking? Praise God. Second thing, we go hard. I don't know if you guys say this all the time. I know I'm not that young anymore, but uh, the young people say this sometimes. I say it all the time. It just means go 100%. And 100%, Jesus made no, there's no way to misunderstand him that he demanded 100% commitment. Jesus said, if you lose yourself for my sake, you will find your life. That's 100%. He wants everything from us. Everything. He wants focused and relentless training on the other side of that first decision. He said, go. There's the go there. Go into all the world. Make disciples. In other words, people who follow him of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It literally means water, but much more importantly, it metaphorically means we die to ourselves and we rise to a new life. We are buried with Christ. We are risen with Christ. Baptism is not, that water is not magic. We don't save people by dunking people. We save people by helping them not only be immersed literally and metaphorically into Jesus, but on the other side of that, teaching them to obey all the things that he has commanded. Their whole life. The whole rest of your life. Jesus wants it all. And anything less than that, you're missing the whole point. Chris Radcliffe says, practice everything in moderation, especially moderation. Yeah, think about that for a second. That could be misinterpreted. I'm not saying, hey, forget moderation, go get drunk or something. That's not where I am trying to tell you to go here this morning. But here's what I am telling you. Sometimes we go, hey, you know what? I I need a little bit of Jesus in my life. And I also need, you know, I got to work. And I got to, I need some me time. I need some people time. I need this. I need that. You know what I'm talking about? We try to keep things balanced. And somehow or another, Jesus is part of that balancing act. It doesn't work that way. He's got to be the center of the whole thing or you've missed Jesus. Wherever you are and whatever your point A is this morning, all I'm telling you, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not saying you don't already know this. I'm saying that's the point B that we're all aiming for. Jesus told stories about that all the time. Actually, there's several great stories from Jesus in Matthew 13, that whole chapter. You should go read the whole chapter today. Several great stories. Most of them are short. One or two, one or two little sentences are really there. But two of them have to do with treasure. A guy finds treasure in a field. So he literally sells everything that he owns and buys this field. Nobody can figure it out, but he knows that there's a treasure there and it's worth more than everything that he owns. So he trades everything that he owns to have that treasure. 
Same, another guy does it with this uh, pearl that's worth more than everything else. So he trades everything he owns to buy the pearl, and then he's got more than it. Jesus told stories like that a lot. Same chapter, he tells stories about mustard seeds and about yeast. And he says, look, mustard seeds are really tiny. But when they grow, they don't just reproduce more mustard seeds. They produce these trees that do more than just food. They, they actually give shade and they actually provide shelter for birds and small animals. They make a difference in the world. They start out small, but they get huge. Same thing with yeast. It doesn't just go in the bread. It's not just something you put in the bread or garnish the bread. It changes the bread. It makes the bread grow. It, it, it makes a huge difference and it makes everything bigger and better. But once you plant that mustard seed, the mustard seed's gone. Now it's a tree. Once you plant, uh, once you use yeast, the yeast is gone. Now there's just bread. 100% commitment. We've got to go hard. If we're going to be the real thing, if we're going to be the real good strawberry, see the symbol? We've got to make sure that we give 100 percent. Jesus also told three stories in chapter 25 of Matthew. He told about some bridesmaids that are supposed to light up a wedding. Some of them got it right, some got it wrong, and they got rewarded or punished accordingly. Keeps going. He tells another story. I know you've heard this one too. Guy goes away, leaves his servants in charge of several things with a whole bunch of money and expects results when he comes back. One guy just hides the money. The other ones invest it and make him money. He comes back. He rewards the good guys and he punishes the guy who didn't do what he asked him to do. And he talks about, it's not really a story so much, more like an extended simile. This is like, he says, when he comes back, it's going to be like a shepherd separating sheep from the goats. And the whole herd thinks they're going wherever the shepherd goes, but turns out some of them are not. And the difference is the sheep in that simile were doing exactly what he asked them to do. That's who they were. That's what they did. They were feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and all of those things. They were doing his will. And if we're going to actually reach anybody, being famous for talking about it well is not going to get us anywhere. Being famous for packaging it well isn't going to get us anywhere. Not being famous and packaging it well or describing it well is not going to get us anywhere. At the end of the day, no matter how we share the gospel, how we package it, how we do any of the things we do together, at the end of the day, if it's not the real thing, nobody's going to want it. Nobody wants something fake. Nobody wants something that's not real. Right? That's got to be the foundation every time. Here's another story. I'll read this one straight out. Jesus said, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first son and said, son, go work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. Well, that's a brat, isn't it? Doesn't say sir, doesn't say anything, just straight up says no. Okay. Clearly the villain of the story, right? Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. 
but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Jesus asked. The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. You know what was so powerful about John's ministry? It wasn't that he was out in the wilderness and that was so cool and so different than being in town. It wasn't that he wore camel leather outfits and grew his hair really, really long. That was unique. That was just the package. What was really cool and effective about John is God had actually sent him and he was telling people, look, you better get ready. The Messiah is about to show up and you need to turn yourself around. You're going the other direction from where God wants you to go. You've got to repent. You've got to come and start over. He was real. That's what's so powerful about John. And if we look at John the Baptist, he's actually one of my biggest heroes in the, in the Bible. And I, I would love to grow my hair long if I could still grow hair at all. I would love to get my beard really big and wear camel leather and live out in the wilderness. That'd be really fun. But that's not what did the job. Are you with me? He did the job God gave him and he went hard. He did it. He got it done. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I don't think I've really got it in me. Yeah, you do. Not because it's you, but because of where our strength comes from. There's two verses that are identical in the Old Testament. First Chronicles 16.11 and Psalm 105.4. I'd like you to read it off the screen with me here this morning. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. One more time and emphasize the pronouns there. Okay, It's talking about where the strength comes from. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Can you do whatever God has called you to do? Okay, that was, that was scary. Let's try this one more time. Can you do what God has called you to do? Yes. Yeah, you can. And I understand the first one's a little complicated because it's, you can't on your own. But you can He will empower you to do whatever he calls you to do if you're willing to go there. And you're willing to go hard. So as we start to wrap up this morning, you probably guessed what the big idea was. Let's try it one more time. Say it out loud if you would. Be a real good strawberry. And and there's a comma there for a reason. That's grammatically correct for all my English people out there. And people actually pay attention to those things. We're, We're a dying breed, but God bless every one of us. That's supposed to be, it's not just an incredibly good strawberry, a very good strawberry. You are a real comma good strawberry. You're a real strawberry and you're a good one. How many know there's a difference? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, even a bad strawberry is pretty good. I like strawberries. But you know, when you've had one that was grown by somebody who knew what they were doing. And that thing was babied and it was watered and it had enough sunlight and there was fertilizer and the whole thing. And you bite into it and it just kind of explodes and goes everywhere. And you're like, ah, that's a whole nother thing. That's the good. 
real is it's actually a strawberry. How many know that there's a really common uh, flavor out in the world called strawberry flavoring that's not actually strawberry flavoring at all? You know what I'm talking about? So if you like Neapolitan ice cream or strawberry Laffy Taffy or all those things, some of those actually taste pretty good, but that's not strawberries. You get a little closer when you get like a strawberry flavored ice cream and you put real strawberries in it. Now, now we're getting somewhere, okay? And I'm not talking about right or wrong. I'm talking about they're two separate things. There's artificial strawberry flavoring, whether you like it or not. And there's real strawberries, whether you like strawberries or not, they're not the same thing. We've got to be a real good strawberry if we're going to reach anybody. We experience Christ's presence and we experience Christ's presence when we actually build our lives around him, himself, and his teachings. When that is really, truly, genuinely what drives the train for us in every area of our lives, that's where we actually can get somewhere. And wherever it's not, it's not. Back to the story of the the lost son. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think that story should not be called the lost son, but the really good dad. Because there's two sons in there. And the dad is kind of the hero of the story, not either one of the sons. But the one leaves, and in that culture back then, when when there was an older son and a younger son, not saying it was right, it's just how how it worked legally back then, the older son got two-thirds of the father's inheritance, the younger son got one-third. So he demands his one-third, and he runs off with it and blows it. You know that story, right? Comes back, he's welcomed back because he's a good dad, and he knew that he wouldn't even come back if he, he... That's a great part of the story. But then he comes back, and the older son is so mad that the younger son's being welcomed back. And he says, you've never given me anything. You, you don't throw parties for me. You're killing the cat, fatted calf for him. You don't even kill a goat for me. I love his dad's reply. He doesn't attack him. He doesn't say, you selfish jerk. Who do you think you are? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't attack back. How many know that that's the human response? That's, that's what we normally do. Somebody gets up in your face, you blah, 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 blah. Well, well you, right? That's what we know. But, but I love this. He says, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Two things that he should have known all along, but just didn't get. His dad didn't leave like the brother did. His dad was right there the whole time. He just didn't know him very well yet. And he'd already given him the two thirds. Brother didn't realize it yet, but everything the father still had, but it's already belonged to the son. It's your fatted calf, actually. Sorry, I should have maybe asked. If you want a goat, it's your goat. Dude, I'm here right here with you. I never let, I'm right here. And everything I have is yours. That son wasn't a real good son yet either. But boy, he thought he was. And I think that's why it's so important for us to remember the real thing has got to be the main thing. 
It's so easy to settle for artificial strawberry flavoring, especially if you actually like Laffy Taffy or jelly beans or whatever else they put it in. You actually think it's good. It's really easy to settle for that. And it's really easy to say, hey, you know what? People really like Laffy Taffy better than fresh fruit. We could, we could buy a whole bunch of it and save it up and it's not going to bat. Let's just start giving away all the artificial stuff. It almost makes sense, but it doesn't. It's got to be the real thing. So many times we have these other ideas about what it takes, what, what it looks like if God is truly blessing somebody or blessing a group of people. But if you look at the stories Jesus told, often the rich people, we usually think, hey, if somebody's got a lot of money or a lot of stuff, God must be blessing them. They're often the villains. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? And what, the rich man isn't evil for being rich. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of stuff. He doesn't actually go out and kick the beggar every day or do all kinds of evil stuff, but he had missed why God had given him that stuff. And day after day after day, he just ignores the beggar when he could have easily helped him. And he didn't. He thought he was a hero. He thought he was doing great. I bet everybody in his community thought he was the man and very blessed by God. But turns out it was artificial strawberry flavoring, not real strawberry flavoring. Are you following me? Jesus talked about the story back to Matthew 13 again. There's a farmer plants wheat and his enemy comes and plants weeds in between it all. And all of his servants go, hey, you want us to go get rid of all those weeds? He goes, no, just let it be. There's no way to get it out without damaging the wheat. At the end, we'll harvest it. We'll know the difference. We'll burn the weeds. We'll keep the wheat. Same, same chapter. Another short story. He says, you know what it's like when you go out and you are fishing with a net. You get all these fish. There's going to be some you throw back. There's only some you keep. But they all get caught in the net together. Back to the sheep and the goats. Remember the goats and the sheep? They all thought they were going the same direction. Brothers and sisters, again, this is not me judging you. This is not me condemning you. This is not me telling you there's this huge problem I see and I'm so upset about it. I'm just pointing you to the absolute truth. Some of us, some of us here in this room, in the whole world, some of us think we're following Jesus and we're not. And we need to make sure that we are. Some of us think that we're rejecting the gospel and what we're really rejecting is some imaginary version of God or church or Christians or some really toxic, harmful counterfeit of those things that we've experienced and that's painful and it's terrible, but it's not God and it's not the gospel. And if that's somebody's point A, we've got to make sure we take the real strawberries to them. Are you with me? And if you've accepted God, if you are following God, if you are his, you absolutely (laughs) praise God. That's what it's all about. Here's the thing. No matter how we change it, no matter what we do, no matter how we package it, no matter how we express it, no matter what changes as culture changes and we, whatever backflips we have to do to even keep doors open from time to time, here's, here's the truth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Would you say that one out loud with me as well? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. And our job as Christ's followers is to constantly, humbly keep going back to Jesus Christ himself, the word of Jesus Christ, exactly how we have it, and always keep doing our best. Are we getting it right? Is this really, are we, and, and at every moment, to the very best of our abilities, we try to live it out. That's what we do. We go there, and we go hard, and then we live our lives as real good strawberries. You follow me? How do, how do we get our community stronger? Same thing. We go, hey, we need to be part of a community. I need to be really committed to this big group, and I also need to be smart, smart, part of a smaller group that's going to hold me accountable. You know how you do that? You join one. You go there. And how do you stick with it when it gets awkward? You go hard. And how do you, how do you compensate when maybe somebody in that group or this big group does something you don't like? You make sure that you're a real good strawberry. It's going to get contagious. People are going to get drawn to that. How do we maximize our potential? How do we share the gospel in good things that God asks us to do in this world? Same thing. You just do it. And you go, go there with everything that you have in you. And you rely on the strength that God himself puts in you because artificial doesn't cut it, only the real thing. But when we follow Jesus and we do exactly what Jesus tells us to do, guess what? Jesus shows up and Jesus empowers us and real stuff happens. I don't know what your point A is this morning. I'm very aware that every single one of us has a different one. And I'm not here imagining in any way that every single one of you is lost and all of you need to repent and come to Jesus or that there's this huge, deep, dark sin. That's not what I'm saying. But can you hear what I am saying? If there's anything, even a tiny little step you need to make from your point A toward the ultimate point B of Jesus this morning, would you make that? If there's a huge one, if there's a public one, If there's a painful one, if there's a sacrificial, costly one, if there's a joyful, celebratory one, would you take a step from your point A to Jesus's point B this morning? That's what our whole church is about. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do for each other and what we're trying to do for the community and for the world around us. We need your help. Would every single one of you do that this morning? We're gonna stand and sing. It's up to you what you do about it.